ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. So that whole group have that term false crabs. I don't I don't like it. I mean they're not fake crabs, you know, they they are still crabs, but they're using that that last leg for something other than walking. Wait, what? False crabs like spies in disguise? If they're using their leg for something other than walking, then what are they doing with it? Hello, Anne Jones with you on What the Duck, the program where we go for a little walk out in the environment every week, but then some absolutely stupefying nature fact jumps out from behind a boulder and must be addressed. And this episode, we've got crabs. Crabs are a really diverse and amazing group. Dr Rachel King is a research scientist at the South Australian Museum who specialises in crustaceans and she's given me a tour of the specimens out the back of the museum. Big lobsters, some yabbies here in this collection. Oh, here we go. Here's a lovely big hermit crab up here. And then I believe there's some false crabs In thinking about what a crab is, people have a very defined notion of what a crab is, this sort of flat, hard sort of rounded animal like I want to say like pie shaped with the crinkly crinkly edges and then these legs coming out but the word crab has been used for lots of different animals and crabs have different body forms they're not all the same okay I don't feel like we're actually any closer to knowing what a crab actually is at the moment it's an animal that lives usually in the water but some live on land They have a hard shell. Judith Weiss literally wrote a book on crabs, and she's... Emeritus professor at Rutgers University in New Jersey in the U.S. Emeritus means I'm not teaching anymore. I'm retired, basically, but still busy and still active. (laughs) Doesn't emeritus mean you're still doing the work, but you don't get paid? (laughs) Yes, right, exactly. (laughs) And I taught marine biology for many years. Anyway, back to what makes a crab a crab. They have ten legs. The first pair of legs are claws. Nailed it. This description could apply equally well to shrimps or lobsters. And they have their eyes up on stalks. And they range in size from very small to a couple of feet we me- measure them across rather than by length because generally they are wider than they are long. You measure their size from side to side rather than front to back. There are very few animals, all in all, that have that kind of shape. Uh, crabs are, are pretty unusual that way. Right, feels like we're getting closer. Ten legs, and most likely wider than they are long. But just when you thought you might have a handle on things, you find out that some crabs are liars. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They've got moustaches on. <laughs> They're running around in, in disguise. Yes, there are false crabs and true crabs. And I think it's just human beings love to categorise things. And when you're doing the science that, that we do in describing animals and figuring out how they're related to each other, we like to categorise and put names on things. Crabs, I think, is a very old term. So we've tried to, I guess, 
modernise it by saying there are true crabs and there are false crabs. So what is the difference between a true crab and a false crab? So true crabs these days, we say true crabs are the crabs that you may know like swimmer crabs. The blue swimmer crab is a true crab. It has four pairs of walking legs and a pair of pinches or the claws. And so they are in a group that's called decapods, which means 10 feet. We have 10 legs. The reason that some of them are called false crabs is if you look at them, they look like they have just eight rather than 10. They have a pair of claws and three walking legs, but they really do have the fourth pair, but they're very small and sometimes hidden and and not really used as a walking leg. An example of that would be the hermit crabs. Hermit crabs spend their lives with their rear end stuck in a snail shell. They don't have a big hard shell. The abdomen of a hermit crab is pretty soft and vulnerable. Being soft would be vulnerable to predators. And they have juice back legs that they use to cling onto a shell and suck themselves, coil themselves up into a shell. So hermit crabs are false crabs. The true and false is not that good of a term. And hermit crabs are, are certainly legitimate crabs, but that's their lifestyle. There's also false, false crabs. False, false crabs. Wait, is that a double negative? Are they actually true, true crabs? Porcelain crabs, you'll see them on coral reefs and things. They do look like crabs. They're flattened, they've got a little round body, they've got, but they've got three pairs of legs uh, and then claws as well. Sometimes they're called crabs as well. Right. So the true and the false, this is just a really weird word choice to help taxonomists delineate between different infraorders of crabbies. True crabbies are Brachyura and false are Anomura. It's a crab linguistic dichotomy. And are there others? Like, are there the good crabs and the bad? It's basically a teddy bear crab. Well, that sounds like a very good crab. It's called Lamarck Dromia beagle. It's essentially this tiny little crab that has all hair all over it and it looks like a teddy bear and they're famous, these dromiad crabs are famous for cutting off little bits of sponges and wearing them on their heads like hats. Oh come on! So this thing looks like a, a furry little teddy bear crab with a sponge hat and it's beautiful. They literally look like they were created from Muppet offcuts, like they're wearing shag pile carpet matched set all over their body, which apparently is surprisingly soft. Dr Andrew Hosey, who named and described the crab for science, was quoted as saying, all members of this group of crabs are hairy to some extent, but this one is ridiculous. Rude. And the hat. Oh, the hat. Are they doing that for some sort of camouflage or is it a, an attempt to be extra handsome? I'm, I'm going to say probably both. I think they're well aware of their handsome nature in very <laughs> paying particular attention to the sponge, that they, the shape of the sponge, and they grip it with their back legs in such a way that it's stylishly <laughs> arranged on the back. And I don't know, it probably gives them camouflage. It might give them a bit of protection. Could be UV, I don't know. Sometimes marine animals put things yeah. on top of them to stop UV rays, but it could be lots of things. 
Yeah, it could be because like if a, if a you know fish or something swooped down to try and grab you and it grabs your sponge instead, mm-hmm. that would be really handy because yeah, you could just let the sponge go. You'd lose a hat, but you'd, you'd gain your life and yeah, you could keep moving on. <laughs> would your little teddy bear crab be in the false one because it uses its back legs to hold its hat on instead of walking? I know, that's a great question. It's actually still a true crab. It's got those four legs oh. still. <laughs> They've just been adapted. It's a tricky one. So, yes, that is a true crab. Yep. And if we're going to be, you know, making judgment calls about what's true and what's false and that the fluffy teddy bear crab is categorically a good crab, then we probably should talk about delinquent crabs. Cast your mind back to 2020 when the world was aghast at the start of a global pandemic and crabs turned to crime. So I am studying the Christmas Island Flying Fox, which is a flying fox on Christmas Island, obviously. And they're critically endangered and the last native mammal on the island, actually. Yeah, look, I know we're talking about crabs. Just hold your seahorses. In 2020, Annabelle Dorenstein was a PhD candidate with the University of Western Sydney, and she was looking at the bats on Christmas Island. So one aspect I study is their nighttime behaviour, their foraging behaviour. So they eat fruits, and during that time of the year, they just love mangoes. So what I did is I set up a a thermal camera close to a mango tree, where I knew they were foraging at night. So I could film them without having to shine lights on them, which would disturb them. Um, But obviously I don't want to stay awake the whole night. So I just set it up with a big battery and let it run and come back in the morning and pick up the camera. But um, this particular morning I came back and there was no camera <laughs> because it, yeah, it goes through your mind to think about did someone steal it but it's on the island nobody steals like you leave everybody leaves their doors open they leave the keys in the cars nothing happens there literally nothing so that just that wouldn't happen and then you get closer and you see all these claw marks on the equipment that they left behind aliens they're called robber crabs for a reason oh robber crabs the kleptomaniacs of the natural world. They they just steal things and the weirdest things like shoes and head torches and uh, one one time one dragged off my first aid kit for example. Like why why why? <laughs> I don't understand what they're gonna do with it. You you would almost think they have some layer of prized possessions somewhere. But they're 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 big. They're really big. I think they're the largest land crab on earth. So they, they can get like a kilogram, or no, four kilograms, I think, even. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. As I said, I don't know that much about crabs, but they're heavy. <laughs> and <laughs> and they, they get like a, a meter uh, in span from like leg to leg, basically. So they're, they're big, but they're also really, really colorful. Like you see all these kind of color variations in between like orange and red and purplish and blue even, and kind of mixtures of it. So it's... They're very, very beautiful and very alien-like as well. <laughs> well, they have really, really strong claws. Um, like, they can open coconuts. Wow. So you can imagine the, the strength they have. Another cute coconut fact. When they're babies, their body is apparently really soft, so they'll use half a coconut shell to protect themselves. Sort of like the hermit crab does with a shell. Though, eventually, they harden up and become absolute bruises. So basically... 
they can just grab hold of some kind of object with their big claws and slowly walk backwards and just drag it along with them. They're really slow when they when they steal stuff, but yeah, if you're not around and you don't see it. <laughs> and yes, the night vision cameras that Annabelle had out were expensive, like several thousand dollars worth. Um, so the cords uh, that attached the cameras to the battery, they were mangled, there were like scratches on the batteries, like a big like a car battery basically. When your whole research project is in jeopardy, how do you keep your cool? Oh, I have sworn a lot. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 I think a lot of people, like when they do field work, they have all these different kind of struggles, right? For example, camera traps, they have to strap it to the tree so people don't take it or more like human interactions. And for me, the only struggle I have is with these crabs trying to steal my equipment. <laughs> so yes, they, they are my, uh, my arch nemesis, you could almost say, but yeah, the PhD <laughs> in a loving kind of way. <laughs> nemesis, you could do an anti-dedication yeah. at the top of your PhD on the dedication page, and this is not dedicated <laughs> That's a good idea. to you, Robert. Clark. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The rubber crabs on Christmas Island will steal anything they can get their claws on. Thongs, backpacks, eskies, even rifles from troops during exercises in the forests. They sometimes turn up at barbecues and they even climb up flywire doors if you're cooking something yummy inside. And so if there are true and false crabs and there are delinquent robbing crabs, then is there such a thing as a good crab gone bad? Do you actually have a favourite crab? Well, I did. I do. I say I did because it bit me. So I had this wonderful favourite crab. It's called Kalapa flamia. And um, I was working in the eastern, southeastern United States at the time. And I had, we had collected it. I was proudly showing it to the students that I had at the time. And it's called a shame-faced crab because it has these little claws that it puts over its eyes. Like it's ashamed of itself. It's a bit anthropomorphized, but it's, it's very cute. And it's got beautiful red flame-like things on it. But it bit me between my thumb and my first finger in that really fleshy bit. So, and it stayed there for about five minutes and I got a massive bruise and I had to stand there in front of the students saying, hello, this is my favourite crab and ow. I did get it off in the end. Shame-faced crabs. It's a whole group. Imagine a crab that never, ever missed claw day. Its claws are really deep and often the same colour as its carapace. That's the big, hard, shelly bit on the back. Their actual face, or where their eyes and mouth are, is a tiny proportion of the body. Its eyes stick out on small stalks as if it's building up before crying. And those huge claws, they come up to the face and cover it as if the crab is doing a gasp. What it's actually feeling ashamed about is anyone's guess. Yes, we've totally anthropomorphised these crabs. We, they've got this shape on them that you can almost feel is a face-type shape on the front of the the carapace, yes, for sure. And that's why when they have these big claws that they completely hide it, it just looks like they're they're just totally hiding behind their hands. Okay. Here is our stacks of the collection. Rachel King is still giving me so a tour of the museum. Our, um, compactor shelves with all the collections. Sorry, that's there's gonna be a lovely big noise now. I love a compactus. It means there's something really this cool inside. One that we have to kick every now and again. 
So it's not the best. You are. You're in the stacks of the crustacean section here. This is how we store. It's shelf after shelf of jars with amazing creatures floating in them. So these are false crabs. These are the anamurans. That one's one of the big land crabs, I think. I'm too short to get up there. Okay, let's see. Is that one of the, the big terrestrial, yeah, the big terrestrial coconut crabs and yeah. things? Then we have the, the hermit crab. There's a lovely hermit crab with his shell preserved. One of the crabs that definitely captures the imagination in recent years has been the Yeti crab. Yeah, so that that did become a bit of a celebrity in the crustacean world when it was described. Lots of people gave that a lot of attention, which is wonderful. Um, And it is. It's a wonderful little thing. It's a anomurin, so it's a little squat lobster. I would call it that, but other people call it a crab as well. So it's a false crab, poor little thing. That's fine. (laughs) They're beautiful. They're covered in little tiny hairs, and we would call them seti. They've been picked up in the middle of the ocean. They'll fit into the palm of your hand, and they come from the deep, dark ocean, the Pacific Antarctic Ridge which is literally, you're in the South Pacific, you look one way, there's Chile, you look another way, there's New Zealand, you look the other way, there's Antarctica. You're in the middle of the ocean, there's nothing around you. I think they collected them at hydrothermal vent systems, about 2,000 metres under the water, and there's only a small amount of area around these vents that, you know, if they move one way, it's too hot, and if they move one way, it's too cold. So apparently they just sort of stack themselves in the best position. They stack themselves on top of each other in that, like, primo spot. Um, I also know that they're apparently they're covered, the the hairs that they're covered in is a way for them to cultivate bacteria in their bodies. And apparently they do a little dance with their claws, a dance that was reminiscent of Pacific Island sort of arm-waving dance, I think. And that led to their name. Their name is Kiwa, a New Zealand goddess. Uh, so so it, when you're saying cultivating, they're in a sense, they're sort of farming yes. food, are they? So they, they strip their own little hairs and, and eat it. I believe so. I think um, getting it through, <laughs> you're swishing oxygen through, you're swishing <gasps> the water through, and it's cultivating like a little garden of bacteria on your own body. They can harvest that. (laughs) Love it. And there's areas that are just really unexplored or underexplored. The deep sea, for example, where the little hairy yeti crab has come from, that's an area that it takes a a lot of time and effort to get to. And we're only just starting to get the equipment to be able to do that kind of collecting. So we get samples and we're just finding new, new species all the time. But even species we've known about for a long time continue to surprise. How would you describe a horseshoe crab? Well, not a crab. (laughs) It's called a horseshoe crab, and this one is not a false crab or a true crab. It is a chelicerate, and that is something completely different. They're found in the USA, and they're called horseshoe because they sort of look like a Clydesdale hoof. Guardian journalist Helen Sullivan wrote this description of them, and I'm not sure anyone can do better. The horseshoe crab looks like, quote, a fossilised Roomba most of the way through eating a stingray, end quote. Perfection. But okay, I'll try. 
It's as if a stingray married an armadillo and gave birth to a leather-clad, warrior-class, underwater cowpat with a knitting needle for a tail. So it's actually evolved to have a hard shell and a bit of a, a weird spiky tail out the back. And some, some people think that that looks like a crab. To me, as a taxonomist, that looks nothing like a crab. So it's actually more closely related to um, mites, sea spiders, if anybody's heard of sea spiders, and also just terrestrial spiders. It's more related to a spider than it is to a crab, the horseshoe crab. That is neither a true nor a false crab. It is not a crab at all. Oh, I sound like Dr Seuss. They're found in around North America, and I used to live in the southeast of the United States, so I've, I've seen them firsthand as well. You often see them more when they aggregate, um, so when the males and females come together to mate and lay eggs and do all that business. Um, but they're most famous because their blood is blue. Royalty. They do have blue blood, but so do mollusks, that is, uh, you know, clams and snails and stuff. All of them, aristocrats. That's because it's got a different blood pigment. Our, our blood is red because we have hemoglobin, is a iron-based pigment that is red. Crustaceans have blue blood. Their pigment is a copper-based pigment. So their blood looks blue-green rather than red. So it's, it's hemocyanin instead of hemoglobin. But they're also famous because somebody, some scientist at some point, figured out that they have these amoebocytes within their blood. And they are something that are used for testing in pharmaceuticals. They're, they're similar to white blood cells in human beings. It's true. If you've ever had a vaccine or an operation, you've probably benefited from the blue blood of a horseshoe crab. Pharmaceutical companies use the blood to test for contaminants in medicines. It basically tells them when certain bacteria types are present. It's very cool. But they do harvest the blood from live, wild crabs. It looks like a living fossil, but a fair bit of modern medicinal practice is relying on it. But they are the only living members of a group where the majority of the species are extinct now and were known from, I believe, like the Jurassic. So they were, the, or they are an ancient group. And so they are living fossils, or if, if you want to call them that, because the majority of the group are actually known from fossils and are no longer living. So they're, they're the, the last remnant members of a much bigger group that used to exist. And yeah, so essentially they are living fossils. That might be part of the appeal as well, because they do look like people see fossils of trilobites and other things that are these complex jointed life. And so they see them and it, it is almost looking, you know, you're looking at a Jurassic seashore, you know, you're getting a window into that kind yeah. of time period. Old crabs, new crabs, good, bad, false and true, they do seem to be a surprising bunch. And is it this sort of contrarian nature that is the reason behind the weirdest fact of all, that crabs walk sideways? The thing that seems to make the most sense is that most things walk 
mainly in the direction of their longest part. So that most animals that are shaped the way that, let's say, lobster is, or fish is, or a dog is, walks the way where the front of them to the back of them. And that's sort of their long axis. With the crab, the long axis is side to side, not front to back. It would seem, I, I don't know if this is proven, but it would make sense that walking the way your longest dimension is for a crab is sideways. Uh, but they can walk forward too. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's not that they only walk sideways, but, but they can certainly walk forward and backward. Uh, easily, as just as well. I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. This crabby what the duck has made me crabby. I'm Dr. Ann Jones, and Patria Ladgrove and I produce this program together. We make it on the lands of the Ghana and Wadawurrung people for the ABC. Honestly, crustaceans, they're so fabulous. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.